This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Welcome to this, an Ask Brothers Rantcast, an Ask Bros OG. We're a day later than what we usually are. Um, and now because of the transfer window and all of the things that have happened, it, it kind of feels like the game against Sheffield is is a little bit redundant. But actually, Toby, when you think about it, with the, I, I, I was going to say transfers, but instead now I'm going to say transfer, uh, that has come in. It actually raises uh, uh, maybe a lot of answers or a lot of questions about the Sheffield game and about the things we saw in the Sheffield game. So, I mean, to kick it off, there's no point sugarcoating it, Toby. There's no point putting chocolate sprinkles on the turd of what that first half was. It was, in a word, incredibly worrying. Incredibly worrying to see so many old legs and old bodies who didn't seem to have the athleticism or the punch or the the speed of movement to actually drive that game forward. And for me, I I expected that if there was going to be a game where you would go and put out lots and lots of young legs and lots of dynamic players, that it would be against a a deep-sitting Sheffield. But, Toby, that's that's not what we saw, despite a lot of people thinking that lineup was was going to be the elusive four three three. Well, I don't know what you mean about old legs. I don't know about how many old players there were, apart from David Louise, and that's about it. Apart from so Abamyang. old, old. I, I I include Bellerin in old legs. By the way, now he's I, like I, twenty. He's like twenty five. Yeah, I know, but his legs his legs are still old. Champion. Anyway. Yeah, I, 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 I'll go away from the old, even though that's that's quite funny, and say incredibly conservative. Um, that potentially Arteta trusts Whoops. these players so little that even against a team who notoriously struggles for goals and their main strength is defence and organisation, that we still set up in a way that was um very much safety first so mm. it 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 was a snooze fest the the good part about it is that it was it seems like it was deliberately snooze fest and then when it wasn't working it was changed and then it did work and then we hung on so you well, know it if for, it worked for 15 minutes uh, yeah well 10 10 yeah. when Pepe <laughs> changed the game yeah. and then we still managed to shit the bed and concede and hang on at the end which and was, once um, once again Toby you and I have spoken about this that once we lose that shape we become very open very fast despite all of a sudden looking like a, a goal threat with us it's like it's one or the other at the moment are you feeling that like I am it's like we either go out in this very conservative everyone holds their shape we will not concede set up and then at some point we change it and we put on these faster assets but then all of a sudden we're, we're wide open to conceding goals it's like a juxtaposition of the different arsenals that we've seen mm. over the years and what we're looking for is for some kind of amalgamation of the two i i guess well it was weird the the goal we conceded i thought was so sloppy because there was this chasm of 
space like a fucking black hole <laughs> with no midfielders, like seven de- defenders across a line, Xhaka mm-hmm. playing somewhere like inside right back, Elneny fucking wherever the fuck, and then Tierney, like everyone just lay- sitting back and sitting back, Tierney getting absolutely sold on the dummy, off, offering the inside because he hadn't closed down the space. No one had closed down the space. And we can see the goal from absolutely nowhere belter of with, a goal, very, with very little goal. pressure. Now, look, it, it was a belter of a goal, but it was it was almost like a training ground goal. It didn't even <laughs> seem it, it didn't even seem real. Toby, training ground is how the first halves of Arsenal in most of these games, bar Fulham, have felt for me for this this whole season at the moment. It's like everyone in your position, everyone in your structure, move the ball. It's not necessarily about creating chances. It's not necessarily about anything other than just holding that structure and making yourself very hard to beat. And on one hand, it kind of speaks to the last conversation that we had after Liverpool game where we spoke about saying that you could either look at it and say that Arteta didn't go attacking enough or you could look at it and say, no, he's actually intentionally playing playing two games at the moment. The first game is mm-hmm. don't lose it, get the control. And then the second game is once you have the control and you can kind of bring on these faster assets later in the game, stretch your legs and... And, and go out and try and win it. And it is, it is a really difficult for me to watch games because you and I, I guess, we pride ourselves a little bit, Toby, on being less tribal, less tribal than the average fan and, and looking at things from both sides. And, you know, we often say, you know, taking a 10,000-foot view of things and trying to work out not just who's playing badly but why that person is playing badly and if that guy is playing badly is that because of someone inside of him or outside of him or the combination? So we do try and take these, these I guess, higher level views of what's happening in the game at times. And I've got to admit that's something that I'm finding I'm having to do in every game at the moment because the football isn't free-flowing and the football isn't like, I was about to say, you know, watching a Liverpool, but they got royally ass-fucked. Um, mm. But one of the mm. parameters, Toby, that I think and this does speak to the Liverpool game as well, um, that we do have to take into account and that Arsenal fans have to take into account was that it was three games in a week um, training in there, you know, twice a week as well. So they're constantly running, they're constantly moving. Uh, there were players doubling up in those games. There were some fresheners and people benched and and stuff like that. But you would expect teams to be leggy with three games in a week and really using the expanse of their, their squad there as well. Mm. Yeah, look, definitely. I mean, the the three in a week. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it's the start of the season. There there is decent squad rotation. You know, you had um, you had Eddie coming in for Lacazette. Um, Abamyang, I'll say tongue in cheek, does fuck all anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so he hasn't had the best start. He hasn't had the best start to the season. Probably. You know, it's something we might chat about later on. Gli- glides across the pitch. You know, in uh, doesn't exert too much energy. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned at his work rate off the ball. Um, you know, and um, so so there was rotation there. You know, we had El Nenny coming in. Um, you know, so which was um, which was slightly surprising, and I'm sure we'll get on to that in the discussion a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're, gonna, was... we're gonna yell at Ryan 
later on. Yeah. We're collectively going to bully the shit out of Ryan. Yeah. In about what was five before minutes. we before we finish that question? <laughs> what was what was Manny's name? L sideways. L side L sideways. Is that it's the best one since Lieutenant Dan forever? Uh, now he is L sideways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, I'm just finishing off the the point before we move on. It was, um, yeah, there was a bit of rotation, but it's this very safety first approach. It's down to the individual to make something happen. You know, we have a very controlled, don't leave your space approach. And then it's one, and I've been banging on this for a couple of weeks now. It's one of those wide players that has to take a risk receiving mm. the ball in a very tight situation or a pass that might not be on. Um, and to, you know, to bypass that that defense, whether it be through dribbling or pass. And that's that moment of risk taking, which we're not fluid. The spaces are huge in between our players at the moment. And that's why we need players with more. Um, forceful and long-range passing, particularly in the centre. ability. Or ball carrying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, so we lose the ball and we sort of go, it's almost like running down a cul-de-sac, like running down a blind alley. And that's when the possession is turned over. And, And when we do have possession, it's quite sterile. It's the back three passing along the chain. It's, um, Toby, it's don't lose it before you've, put yourself in the game and given yourself an opportunity to win it. It it reeks to me of Arteta not having faith in his team in those attacking systems to not bin it before they've had a chance to get into it. And it goes back to what you and I were saying last week about the players that he's putting out there at the start of the game are being put out there to hold position, to hold spaces, to not make runs, to not make individual efforts that then somehow break down the structures of that system. And that's why when you do see, uh, you know, guys like Pepe come on and, you know, players we haven't seen as much this season, guys like Joe Willock, and when you do see those guys come on, they do have that ability to, to I guess, start playing outside of the orchestra, you know, to, mm. to go and have a solo. Mm. And the unfortunate thing is, is that's where the exciting part of football lives. Mm. The exciting part of football isn't watching a very well-structured, very well drilled team, hold possession, not make runs outside of their zones, have their their places they need to go when they're in possession, their place they need to go when they're out of possession. And it can get very easy for Arsenal fans to start picking on those players and to start saying, well, you're shit and you do a terrible job and you do this and you do that. But maybe that is is the mandate of what is being asked. Mm. Where I would put my counter argument to that is, is I don't think that that is what Arteta wants to do. I think that that is what Arteta is being forced to do due to the types of players he has not. This this isn't like anyone who's like, oh, well, he definitely wants to be playing El Nenny in midfield. He fucking doesn't. At this Mm. stage, he's maybe just looking at El Nenny and saying, you are going to fuck up the least. Mm. And if we can hold on for a period of time, once people do get tired, once Mm. you do get tired defenders, that's when Pepe's can come out and exploit them. Um, yeah, well, it's it's that waiting for that quality to, to shine through. So at the end of the day, it's breaking a team down, getting them fatigued to the point where the inevitable error will come and then relying on one piece of magic from one of your sort of top-end individuals, whether, you know, in this game, in this game it was a Pepe, other games it's a Bamiyang, you know. Mm-hmm. So, even you know, in, you even can... in this, Bamiyang nearly smashes one top corner from absolutely nothing like just a like the ball pops out to him he, he dips onto his right 
and smashes a, a, a dipping yeah. shot. And, and yeah. that's almost like what you're saying. That's that that what he's waiting for is that quality mm. to come to the fore. Mm. But mm. again, it shows, you know, I, I think it was on Potsy's uh, tactical podcast that he did. Uh, Arsenal averaged less than eight, eight attempts per game, not mm. on goal. Attempts, mm. goal attempts, you know. So no, you, no, no, I know. It, 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 it can 90 be, minutes. you know, like I, I will watch every minute of every game because that's that's what I'm like. But it can be boring as batshit at mm. times, you know. So, you know, I, I think part of it is, th- th- this is going a little bit off topic, um, is that the, the amount of overcoaching these days is why we don't have much broken play anymore and I feel like it's it's an error which will lead to rather than multiple errors and the game opening up and that real end-to-end free flow you know disjointed football that that we used to really love you know the almost the blind stupidity of English football where you just counter and attack and counter and attack it's, and it's just almost like it. Toby how you don't see like Tony Aboa crackers anymore Jimmy Floyd yeah. Hasselbank you, you know you don't see people taking ridiculous shots from 30 yards mm. out because the coach will fucking maul you. He'll be yeah. like, that is low percentage. The high percentage move is to recycle mm. possession, get back mm. out to the wings, come back mm. to the center. Mm. And, you know, that's a, you and I have had this conversation a number of times that if you break down modern football, modern football is nowhere fucking near as exciting as like the, the peak of modern football. I guess that like maybe late nineties into early two thousands when the game mm. was becoming professionalized and you had mm. genuine athletes in the game, but you could still have like a fat cunt like Matt Letizier, who mm. was shit and just ate fucking pies, pies. And mush, pies and mushy peas and drank fucking gallons of lager, and would go <laughs> out there, would, would go out there on a Saturday, and just fucking smash one because his natural God-given technique was mm. so good. Uh, mm. I wrote really interesting, read a really interesting thing. Um, it might I can't remember whether it was a tweet or it was something. I think it was Robbie Savage wrote it. And Robbie Savage is a fucking gobshite, right? But he was essentially saying that players like him and David Beckham and even maybe to an extent, extent Paul Scholes, if they were coming through now, wouldn't be the amazing players that they were because they were they they were different types of players, like they weren't pure athletes. You know, he was like he was too slow to be a footballer. Beckham mm. wasn't an athlete. Skulls was a, a little fat kid with incredible technique. Mm. You know, so it, there is this thing at the moment that I agree with you. It, it's at times very, very hard to watch Arsenal. And I was thinking the other day that I should really now, I should start watching more football again because I don't watch a lot of football. I really do primarily watch Arsenal. Yeah, because too. sometimes when you watch the highlights of other teams, like I watch mini match, like 25, 25 minute mini matches, you know, I wonder if this is, you know, systemic across everyone or if this really is just a, a protective strategy for Arsenal right now to, to, to shield ourselves against the, you know, much mm. maligned average players that we yeah, have. Yeah, true. Can I, can I make one point before we move on was – the you know with coaching obviously that first goal is so important and the ball from Abamyang to Willock to Nketiah if that had happened in that first few minutes then that would have forced Sheffield out and the game mm. might have been a bit more interesting so a lot does rely on that first goal 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Toby, a couple of things, because, you know, these review shows we do, guys, the, the way Toby and I have decided to do this is you all watch the fucking game, right? So we don't want to just go through the game. We don't want to review it like minute by minute and this incident happened and that incident happened and what did you think of this and how was the goals? It's not our jam on Asbro's. Instead, we're going to pull some things apart from the game and have some kind of like high-level conversations about them. So, Toby, first thing, first conversation starter um, from the Sheffield game that I thought is worthy of talking about, and that is, I'm going to do it for people listening, I'm making the in-air quotation marks, formation, Toby formation, right? The obsession with formation with fans at the moment. Now, a lot of people for a lot of that game, when the the, the team lineup got released, they saw that as a, a four at the back. And we did play four at the back for periods of time. But Toby, for me, Elneny played on the right of a three with Bellerin in an advanced midfield position for at least very, very much of that first half. And um, Bellerin well in advance for Elneny and Elneny in that in that right slot um did you see the, the 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 formational changes did you see something different in this game that you hadn't seen did you see the Elneny to the, the the back three as I did no I definitely didn't see that so that was a surprise when you pointed that out to me I mean yeah I, I was aware that Bellerin was advanced but that's the nature of the wing back play that we play anyway they're almost like pseudo right wingers when they receive the ball mm. uh, I think I think the way it works is the midfielder just goes and covers the space where the fullback or an advanced fullback would be I I saw it more as a um, you know as that horseshoe type of shape which which the the midfielders are there purely to distribute and not leave their their post, and I sort of find that you know I'm not going to say it's boring, um, but I saw the deficiencies particularly with El Neni because of the inability to uh, progress the ball or or have any type of long range passing game. Mm. So if you're going to be that far away from the players that you're playing off. You know, his only really ball is to back to the defence or across to Hector. And then it just kind of comes back again and goes back the other way and across the pitch in, the, you know, in that sort of sterile domination of possession, which is really doing nothing. So I didn't see what you saw. I understand how fluid Arteta's systems are and that, you know, there's a different formation that you know in attack and at, off the ball and when players leave certain zones other players come in but I think fundamentally is the starting position with two pretty deep lying central midfielders um against a fairly low block Sheffield well Gabri- Gabriel was more advanced for much of that game was more advanced in the first half than even Sabios was because Gabriel was going beyond Sabios. Mm. And El Neni, I don't think, went ahead of Bellerin at any point. And he only mm. really came into the midfield late in the first half where mm. he, he he took up a central position where then I saw Louise had actually drifted out onto the right as well. Mm. And, and, you know, mm. it, it's interesting that we do have these conversations and that's why I brought it up because, you know, um, we, we're all in a chat and we all sort of pass information around. Scunny and I were having a conversation. We're like, where is this meant to be where is this meant to be being played 
Like, mm. what is the aim of this zone? And we were looking at Hector's performance in the in the first half, and we were like, is Hector like he's definitely not playing as a wing back? He's almost playing as an inside right channeled midfielder. And and you must well, admit, Toby, I, I that right that channel kind of, that, um, that disconnect. I was going to say that right. kind of a where AMN was playing at that time, where he was playing as a pseudo right sided midfielder. Um, yeah, but it didn't work for didn't fucking work for Hector. It, it, was, yeah, it, was, it was very, 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 very mundane. And Toby, you have to say that whole right yeah. channel in that first half, that access which ended up being really El Nenny Bellerin Willian mm. was was diabolical as, as far as invention, incisive passing, um, anyone getting forward. Mm. And it's interesting because we, we do have these conversations, Toby, and this is what I was saying about us trying to take a little bit more of a, of, of a higher view. A lot of people drilled Willian in that game. Even guys mm. in our group, they really, really went after Willian. Now, I thought Willian had a crap game um, until later on in the game, and we will go into that. I'm kind of treating this as two parts. We'll have a chat because really mm. it was that players had two completely different performances in those mm. two different halves as, as the game changed. But... Without Bellerin ever going beyond Willian or getting close to Willian to be able to actually interchange with him, it really stifles what Willian is is meant to do. He he's not a, a Pepe. He's not a lightning player who's going to pick up the ball and drive at someone and drop his shoulder and go. He's a technical player who likes receiving the ball in tight spaces. He's got a good drop of the shoulder. He will do someone with technicality, but he's not going to burn them. And then you've got Hector, who's not going to burn anyone. And then you've got El Sidewaysy who is just going to play the the most risk-averse pass that he can play. Whatever mm. the options are, if there's a 10 out of 10 pass, an 8 out of 10 pass, and a 5 out of 10 pass, El Sideways is going to go the 10 out of 10 pass 95% of the time and just rack up stats that way. He's the of least course. likely to fuck up, but he's also yep. the least likely to create anything. No, no, for sure, for sure. So, look, there are two parts to that question. I don't think Willian is lacking pace. I just think he suits broken play more. So with Sheffield, who are incredibly well set up not to concede, it didn't really work. They got the pressure. Willian's best work was running back towards his own goal. Do you remember Do you remember mm. that particular move where he dribbled around everyone and was actually running back towards bloody Leno and skipped around and, like, got out and got the out ball and all that stuff. And I thought, well, that's the best thing you've done all half. But And Bellerin playing in that that midfield role. So I actually, I saw it a little bit differently, although Bellerin wasn't um, excellent going forward in terms of his possession keeping and being part of that midfield structure. I didn't think he was too, too bad. And I think that's kind of where his game is going. He's fairly technically secure and less more of that bombing forward and crossing type of fullback. So, mm. so not saying that's that's good or bad, but that's that's just my that's just my judgment. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Whereas that player, and I keep referring to it, that release valve player, either release valve or can beat someone just with sheer trickery. The only player we have in our team really like that is Pepe. You know, maybe maybe you could argue a Reese Nelson at times if he gets into form, has the the technique to play around in that particular um, role. But we are quite we are quite lacking. 
You know, and Aubameyang doesn't. <laughs> Aubameyang, despite people, despite Aubameyang having the athletic capacity to do that, that mm. is not his game either. And I think that's what mm. I was kind of saying about Willian. I wasn't calling Willian slow. Mm. I just simply meant that it's not part of his game to knock a ball past someone and burn them. You know, and, mm. and I, the, I, I come back to the same. There are a lot of athletes in that team who it's not their particular game to do what Pepe did when Pepe came on, which is really taking advantage of static defenders with nothing but pace and power and trickery. Um, mm. Toby, the, the the changes that came on in the second half, now you would agree with me that it was by no means like we made these changes and all of a sudden we blitzed them for 45 minutes. We spoke about the start that the deficiencies that occurred when Bellerin went so far forward to get his assist, I think got an assist and I think got a pre-assist, um, and Willian kind of pulling into the midfield. We did move into, once Pepe came on, very much a more structured 4-3-3. We also got to have a look at what a lot of pundits who I really respect have started saying. So Clive from Arsenal Vision, who has said for a very, very, very long time, similar to what you and I have been saying, that the space is out wide, uh, Aubameyang needs to be out there because the hard work is through the middle. We did finally get to see what happens when you all of a sudden go and move someone who's technical like Willian into a midfield three behind the lines where he can actually start to use his passing and use his ability and start to link up with Sabios, Sabios, Willian, Saka down that left edge when they were all going together. That was highly, highly technical. And... Mm. Having a look at that and having a look at Aubameyang coming into the, the middle of that three, like I was saying, it's something that Clive was talking about on Arsenal Vision last week about how we need to get all of our running and all of our legs into that front three and all of our dynamism into the front three to start pulling around defenders and be structured behind them while letting those guys run free. Did you kind of like what you saw in that 20 minutes of Aubameyang in the middle? Because he definitely maybe didn't cause them a huge amount of problems with his shooting but his movement and his pace and his little diagonal runs to front and rear post from centre definitely opened up the space for the guys around him. Definitely the, opened up the, the space for Bellerin. And the well, the lovely little pre-assist for Bellerin. Yeah, that, I that's was what I, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I I liked it because Lacazette to me is becoming even though he scored three goals in three games, he he is increasingly. Oh, I'm going to say like Jermaine Defoe without the good goals. He is an unimaginative like, striker for me. Yeah, so. yeah. It's, he's like bumbling a ball in, you know, he's hardworking, but it's not particularly attractive. I think we saw the flaws in Eddie a little bit, even though I'm certainly not going to discount him yet. I love his pace up front and his um, his work rate. But the, the thing for me is that we're missing out on having Saka in an advanced left position, and I reckon he's probably our best in that position. Well, also, once, he, once he went up there, he was fucking yep. deadly, pulling we're into also, the centre. And- yep, and we're also missing out on Willian on the left, and I think he's best off the left as well. So and the left of the came midfield, into that three. midfield three. Yeah, that's exactly yep. where he came And on. he started running at people from deeper rather than running very close to the to the defense. Um so I thought that worked in open play 
as well. And the interchanges and the clever stuff where Saka's coming in separate in centrally and Willian shifting over to right to the right. So the fluidity that way, that's why I like Abamyang being in the center because he's not clogging up the left so much. You know, he's he's a guy that plays on the left who really needs the wing back and the left sided forward player to be playing incredibly well. And then he drifts over to the center or receives the ball in behind from, you know, a David Luiz ball or something like that. He, he, Anything he needs to with have the his... license to drift to the left and drift to the center, not be pinned to the left. Yeah, yeah. In, in my opinion. So I'm yep. actually going back the other way where I'd like to see him through the middle more because we certainly don't have an elite striker up top. We don't have anyone who can hold the ball up and distribute like a Giroud or something like that. Mm. Lacazette can't do that. Eddie can't do that. Um, so I think what we're doing is we are, by shifting Aubameyang back into the middle, we're using our assets on the left a lot better. And it opens up more game opportunities to have someone like a Pepe on the right and a Saka on the left or a Willian or, you know, Nelson at certain times. And then the other two can be backup strikers. There's plenty of games. But in saying that, Toby, I think it is it is a solvent point to make that in that initial system before Pepe came on and Willian moved into midfield, if you start... Aubameyang up top and ask him to do the Eddie role and ask him to do the lacquer role, it's not going to work. Those issues that we talked about, about there not being space there and him getting bashed and him not receiving the ball, that's not going to change. So essentially what we're saying is once you move into a more fluid attacking system, a a more less risk-averse system, that's when you can start to put Aubameyang there because in a less risk-averse system, there are more moving pieces set up with less structured roles, which mm. then allows him to drift and float in and out of the game. So mm. again, Toby, you know, it's not like it is – I often comment on people on Twitter, I'm like, it's not FIFA, mm. right? You can't just pick mm. You can't, can't just pick your best 11 and say, well, a front three of Saka, Aubameyang and Pepe because the mm. front three of Saka, Aubameyang and Pepe is amazing – as long as the assets and the system behind it and the structures that are behind it work, because otherwise we end up in this situation like we saw even towards not even the end of that game from like 65, 70 odd minutes when the structures started to break down and we became fatigued and we stopped holding the ball as well. And Sheffield then actually, instead of sitting deep, which was allowing us to play that really front foot football with lots of people in the box, once Sheffield needed to get a goal and they kind of, I guess, what would you call it? Like concertinaed back out instead of mm. being so compressed. Mm. Once they and they, and they also didn't have anything to lose because at 2-0 yeah. down, there's no point shutting up shop. You but then come once out. they opened up, Toby, it, it, it made a little bit of a mockery of what that midfield was. It made a little bit of a mockery of having Hector, you know, beyond Pepe mm. on the right and Pepe inside and Aubameyang and, and Saka and Willian. You just, mm. you just cannot have that many assets that far forward without the right players behind them to cover those kind of explosive tracking runs and being able to get on top of but people. But we have so many players back. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of like a 50-50. It's an, <laughs> it's, it's an attack and defense situation, mm. you know, and the, the central midfielders, and maybe it's time to talk about L sideways now, their, their remit is to, is to stay. And this is what I was talking about in the monthly pod the other day. Those two central midfielders, and this, this is where hopefully we have an opportunity 
opportunity to move into a midfield three. Really, their their role is to occupy and cycle possession. That That's it. You do not leave mm. that space. And that's why a player like Bloody Xhaka plays every single week because his task is to be committed and and to take the direction of the manager and not leave that that zone. I'm you no know, Xhaka so- fan, but we missed him in this game. This was as much as you could look at a game and say, you miss Xhaka. And that's where I look at that El Nenny performance. But ha- how far away? So so one of my things with with Xhaka is not only that he doesn't leave that defensive post, and we all know we all know his uh, you know athletic deficiency limitations. Yeah, but you know when the game is broken and players are running at him or beyond him, but what he does have is a long passing game. So when you've got L sideways who makes five to ten yard passes and just cycles possession. That's more suited to an old Wenger team. High possession, lots of little Mm. triangles, players very close to each other and making little runs constantly. So he's trying to do that. But his attacking players are freaking 30, 40 yards away from him. And all he's doing is playing little layoff passes to Ceballos or back to the defence. So, you know, Mm. I know our, our back three are quite capable on the ball. But it's also his job to progress the ball and do something in an attacking sense with it. So something, I don't, anything right. in an attacking sense. That, so that's what I, I mean about him yeah. being the most risk averse player on the pitch. And I don't think you can have someone that risk averse when the way we're playing is we're we're either left side dominant or right side dominant. Is in our channels are very very separate. Mm. And you know when I was sitting there and I was looking at Bellerin's performance, like I was saying at start, and I was looking at Willian's first half performance, I thought to myself. Well, how are they ever meant to get on the front foot when there's no ball through the lines for them? It, it's mm. like, I, I know we always go back to rugby league, but it's really like carting the ball back up off your try line. Mm. You know, everything's in your face. There's no room for you. You know, you need someone to at least provide something to get you on the front foot. And then the problem is El Nene goes into Bellerin, who's not an AMN and like a line-breaking runner or a carrier of the ball. So he only has his technicality to rely on which means yeah. he then needs people to get very close to him. And then I found that Willian kept getting closer and closer and closer to him, which just isolated them again. And then the ball would recycle and, mm. and go back out. Mm. So, I, look, I think it would be very easy to sit there and say El Nenny was complete crap. I'm not going to buy into the line that El Nenny is complete complete crap, but I'm also not going to buy into the ridiculous that is brother Ryan McMurray giving him fucking man of the match because he had a 98% pass completion because over Max, like four Max, fucking yards. And then the look Max. at this. We got one comment and look at what this this bloke has to say. Jacker comes on and we can see. Have you ever met a man who was anything other than like <laughs> he is anyone but Jacker at all costs? <laughs> oh God. And wh- where was where was El Nenny closing down that space when Shaka was was yeah, on? But El Nenny was El Nenny was man of the match and he no, no. Yeah, yeah. Anyone but Jacker. Yeah, uh, yeah, Toby, two two performances. Uh, look, we haven't spoken about Pepe, but I think that would be the obvious thing to speak about. It's a great goal. He comes on. He changes the game with his pace, with his power, with his unpredictability. I don't think we need to yeah. go much more into that. I well, the, the second he... goal was brilliant in, individually. The, the yeah. first goal was more important because it changed the game. So his ability to run at people and just hold on to the ball 
and start connecting with the players around him. You know, yeah. that it drew players in, it attracted defenders, you know, that opened up Abamyang. Abamyang makes a lovely through ball, chip over the top, goal. You know, yeah. it was it was really nice because of that. And we didn't have that at that point. But substitutions are very useful. So I'm not going to say that Willian had a completely crap game because I didn't think he did. I just think it was a difficult game because of the opposition. Mm. Now, what happened nicely was that those defenders by that time have been playing and, and concentrating for 60 or 70 minutes. And then you bring on X Factor like Pepe. Yeah. Wild, who wild can, card, wild card, baby. Who can who can often be pretty poor when he starts a game. So is he not the it, ideal substitute, Toby? I think he. I think he absolutely can. Do you be think this might substitute. not? Everyone pushing for players to start, players to start, players to start. Is this not maybe exactly what he might get used as this year? Which is bring the players on, bring the structured players on, and then once the game is starting to get pulled apart or defenders are starting to get tired at fifty minutes and sixty minutes. You yep. bring on fast assets who are unpredictable wild cards, who have trickery, who have footwork. The games open up for him. And Pepe hasn't had to do the 45 or 50 minutes of grinding, boring work that seems to put him in a foul mood anyway. Yeah, and, and maybe physically he's not up to it yet. He's still a pretty slight character. So the physical demands of playing that total football style of, of, um, of game it, it is tiring and maybe you don't have that extra burst of pace when it comes to that attacking opportunity. So I wouldn't say he is only substitute fodder because it's up to mm, him. I, I think that's where the mistake gets made, Toby, because a substitute for 35 minutes is as important as a starting player for 55 no, no, minutes. Of course, I, you didn't let I me don't, finish I, my I, don't, I just don't want to points. get to the mentality that you couldn't be a world-class player from the bench. No, no. and But what I'm saying is it's up to him to fight for that start, starting spot. So there's absolutely mm -hmm. no problem with that. And I love, you know, sometimes I think Arteta leaves it a bit late to make changes and doesn't give them an he did opportunity. It quite, he did it quite early in this game. game. He pulled but in this, off, in this, early. In this case, it did. You know, it yep. was great that Aubameyang went into the centre. You know, once again, if you're a defender and you've played 60, 70 minutes, the last thing you want to do is have extra pace to defend against and then the the positional switches i thought worked i thought worked really well um one player who we haven't mentioned i thought actually struggled in this game that no one else has saw that he struggled was tierney i thought he really struggled I this thought, game. Uh, me and me and scunny both thought that tierney had quite a good mm. game he got up and down mm. his wing he got an advanced positions he was the only winger to get in advanced positions but unfortunately for Tierney, he's getting in those positions and he's knocking balls into the middle. There aren't multiple players approaching the middle because the midfield weren't getting forward to get yeah. additional numbers into the box. And he's got Eddie in there. And as, as kind of much of a little terrier as what Eddie is, he's not going to climb up, smash a header in, you know. I, I said to Scunny, you know, I said to him at halftime, I said, do you know what player? would suit this first 45 minutes, this this thing we keep doing? What player would suit Arsenal more than anyone right now? Giroud. It's Giroud. <laughs> you know, you almost want a big man who's going to score goals with his head because a lot of the time when we are getting crosses in in that formation, they're, they're deeper crosses. Mm -hmm. They're not kind of like byline whipped in like what we saw in the goals later on. 
they are kind of deeper, more booming crosses. You do it's- have very big number nines elsewhere in the Premiership, though. You've got fucking like Mope, you've got Mitrovic. Mm-hmm. Like they're players who are big units that can do. Both. I would love to have something like that on the bench. I think there's a little bit at the moment with Arsenal with those strikers that Eddie does one thing and Lacquer does another thing, but neither of them do the the third thing, which is be big. I know that sounds stupid that you can't tell someone who's small to be big, but like Toby, for example, when mm. we used to when we used to have our pro ev competition with you and me, no matter who I picked up front, so I always used to have Tevez, right? Tevez was my boy. Toby, you've got PTSD about Tevez and our pro ev games. I just used to kill you with him, but I always had a player like Jeko. I always had a player like Andy Carroll, like someone on the bench who I could just completely change the system. And, and start knocking balls into. And I do like that idea of getting different shaped players. And especially if you look at the way Arteta is looking to change games, you know, at the 60-minute mark, if it is working or it's not working, I would really like to see us for the next striker we go after. Go and get someone who's above six foot and strong in the air. Well, you know, maybe I've, that's why, man, you've got Cavani. You never know. Maybe, maybe. What did he play last year? Like 12 games or something like that? I think he's. I think he scored like... He scored like three goals for the year. Anyway, fuck Man U. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, look, Toby, last player who, I, I, because we're running out of time, you've got to go in a tick. But, um, yep. you know, last player, I think, who, oh, has, shit. Conti- yeah, I do have who has continued his amazing form is uh, Gabriel. Very, very good distributing, very good on the ball, very strong again. I don't think we really need to go that much more into that. Five minutes left, yeah, Toby. Yeah, very, very impressive. Very yeah. impressive. Five minutes left. I just wanted to talk to you very, very quickly. We are going to do a whole like, breaking down the transfer window podcast with Manny. It might be tomorrow. It might be the day after. Manny is ropeable for some reason. He's ropeable that we haven't been able to clear all the dross out. I think he's predominantly upset that the Kalasanak rumour and the Mustafi <laughs> rumour weren't in fact true. Um, <laughs> but, Toby... Just very quickly, having looked at what our midfield offered in that game, in both systems, in both the front-footed system and the back-footed system, or I guess you would call it the structured system and the unstructured system that we played in those games, the signing of Thomas Party. I know you don't know a huge amount about him. You don't watch a lot of La Liga, but that style of player, let's call it a throwback, and I don't want to use it, but a throwback to the Vieira-style player, big, strong, and predominantly ball-carrying midfielder. How do you think the signing of a player like that is going to change the fortunes of those teams in both of those structures, both the structured and the unstructured? Well, I just think it provides us options to move away from a, from a back three. So if we if we can have... And we we talk about the players that we've got not having the ability to cover the space or move the ball with only two of them in in Mm. that space. So you introduce a third player and you can have, you know, and and what it may end up being is a bit lopsided because you're going to have one one on one side. I assume party will play on the right side of a midfield three. You know, you might have Ceballos over on the left and most likely you're going to have the guy who's going to stick will be Xhaka. Out of those mm. three, everyone and then, thinks TP is going to be a, a, a DM. I don't think he will in a four-three-three. Well, I think Shaka will, will anchor it, and Sabayos and Party either side. From from what I've heard from the the stats that that um, that Dan Potts is talking about the other day, 
yeah, I, I think he'll be a box to box number eight style player. Mm. Um, I think there's, so, I think there's and two I, and I think, No, sorry, you go. I thought you were done. No, no, I, I just think that'll suit the players that we have. And and mm. what we're saying about this transfer window and not getting too shirty about it is you've got to look internally for solutions. All right. So we we know what players we've got. There's no point just going out and saying I need to buy X, Y, and Z with an owner that clearly won't do that and a structure that won't do it and all of the dead wood that we have that we can't clear anyway. So we have to look internally as to what we've got. And I think with um, with Jacker, I think he'll sit deep and do exactly what he's been doing, but with more support and more running either side of him. Sabayas plays on the left predominantly anyway and does very well, um, mm. ticking the ball over. And you might end up finding that Party is the one that goes furthest beyond and is both a defender and an attacker from a midfield sense. Well, the the so, thing that he brings us that no one else does, Toby... Or the closest would be Joe Willock, is a pure ball carrier, a Mm -hmm. guy who will actually get on the ball and actually drive from midfield, which then disrupts structure, which I think Mm. is something we really struggle about because we struggle to break down structure. I think with structure, it's often easier to dribble through structure than it is to pass through structure, as in defensive structure. It's set up to Mm. block the balls and block the channels, but when you get someone Mm. who can explode, Mm. Who does run past people? It changes mm. things. Look, I think and, it's going to be. Yep, and it'll be really. It'll be. Yep, yep. So sorry, no. I, I think there's going to be a couple of options, Toby. I think you're going to see a four-two-three-one, which I think is yep. going to be a very, very, very attacking structure where you may see Jacka Sabios, Jacka Party. The funny thing for me is in all of these systems, somehow I still see Jacka there. Uh, you know, Sabios party, I think will be a weird one that we're going to have to look at. But I think in one system, you're going to see a 4-3-3, which I think is going to be our more structured system. And that Xhaka deep with party one side and Sabios on the other. And then I think you're going to see a, a, an amalgamation of that system, which is more like a 4-2-3-1, where you might actually finally get to see Willian's out of 10s, Pepe's out of 10s, ESR's played out of there almost a floating role. And that's where I think in that four, two, three, one, you may end up seeing an Aubameyang up top by himself because there's enough behind him. Um, mm. Toby, I know you got to go. So let's bounce. Let's end this so you can uh, you can crack on with your day. And um, we will be back with a hot topic with Manny where most likely him and I are going to argue viciously about the work that's been done. Uh, Tobes, have a great afternoon. I'll speak to you soon. To all the listeners up the Arsenal, subscribe, you pack of cunts. See ya.